guys, welcome back to Twisted Times. This is Cece King, one of the two hosts of the show. If you guys are new to the show, welcome. If you are returning to the show, welcome back. We just wanted to take a second to thank you guys so much for tuning in. We are in our third season. This has been a wild and crazy ride. We're having so much fun and especially this season because we've been live streaming all of our episodes on the 17 Live app, which you can go check out if you go to the link tree in our bio. You guys can go and download the app there and join us on our live streams every week. After we do the live stream, we tend to release the episode the following day. This episode was was actually released two days later. However, we are trying to be as consistent as possible with our releases of the episodes if you can't make the live stream. So again, thank you guys so much for tuning in. We also would love feedback from you guys, feedback on us. Maybe there's something you want us to incorporate in the live stream, any suggestions that you have. Additionally, if there are certain topics that we've touched on or haven't touched on that you guys would really like to know more about or a certain guest that you'd like us to get on the show, please tell us. We would love, love, love your input. We have some amazing guests coming up for you guys, but for now, just grab a drink and enjoy this episode of Twisted Time. Hey guys! <laughs> hey guys, welcome back to Twisted Times. I'm your host, Cece King. And I am Ryan. Hi, Ryan. Like, share. Like, share. Just one name. Cece. Just one name. Okay, Kitty, are you going to count us down? I sure am. Are you guys ready? Yes. yes. Three All minutes. Right. Three Talk minutes starts now. Hey. Well, it has been quite the week, but I'm really excited to to see your faces again. That would be Kitty and Cece. Same. This is our last episode with Kitty and we're going to miss her so much. So we're going to have to find somebody else to replace you. But don't worry, we'll we'll do that. I don't know who's going to do our countdown. Maybe we'll get like an AI bot to do it. Oh, my God. Like a Siri. It's not going to be the same. Yeah, but yeah, Siri Kitty was a super down. awesome like student and turned into like producer and helped us out so much this season on the podcast. So freaking yeah. kitty, we will miss you so much. Someone donate like $5 million to the show so we can give her a lot, like yes. a lump sum of money so she can work for like with us. Uh, yeah. Hire you full time. That would be great. We love kitty. Thank you, kitty. Thank you. Um, so yeah, this has been a crazy week, Easter weekend. That was fun. Um, I just watched that movie Coda, by the way, that I have not seen. And I balls my really fucking eyes out. Fucking cried like two minutes. Okay. Cried like crazy. Okay. Like that. I, it was like hard cry. It was like notebook cry. It was like Bridges of Madison County cry. So it cry. was like a snotty ugly fucking cry but did you walk away from it kind of thinking like okay we need to actually like make our world more accommodating to the deaf community because I was really feeling like an asshole after watching that movie I was like what am I doing I need to learn sign 120 percent, especially yeah. since the girl who the lead girl she also had to like learn sign for that movie I had thought the whole time that she was like profi- yeah. like proficient as a throat proficient in in sign language beforehand but she learned it for the part she was amazing. She I was, was so heartbroken good. watching that movie. Yeah. But I recommend everyone see it because I do love a good cry. And that was, was a, a well-deserved best Oscar. It film, was I think. so well-deserved. And I fucking love Marley Matlin forever. Cheers to her. Remember love her from the L word. 
Yep. She's a lesbian. She well, was Bette Porter. I wish I could have been Marley Matlin's character on she that was show. was like an artist, wasn't she? She was an artist and she yeah. hooked up with Bette. She and she's the one who like oh fucked up God, her I and Tina's relationship. Oh God, let's go but back. Who doesn't want Bette Porter? Uh, I don't want Bette Porter. I don't like her. I never did. But- um. Well, is it? Well, Bette Porter is Jennifer Beals. So maybe it's Jennifer Beals and not Bette Porter. But no, I, mean, I, like- I, I like her, but I don't like her like that. But it's cool. It's fine. 30 seconds. Oh my Shut God. Um, but I just want to say that we're just coming off this episode. I can't wait for everybody to listen to it. I feel like we got like deep into like some really good conversation here with Sarah. And she was just something about her energy made me just feel really comfortable and super chill. Like the second we got into the call with her, I just felt, I felt grounded. So I really liked it. Definitely. So guys, grab your drinks because we're heading to the planet, literally with planet. Dyke Beer. Dyke beer, which we can't wait to drink lots of. If you're in New York, go grab a and time. Grab a can. We are about to bring on Sarah Hallenquist. She is an activist, organizer, and co-founder of Dyke Beer. As part of the duo behind Dyke Bar Takeover, she spent three years working with Loretta Chung to raise awareness about the disappearance of Dyke space and create new spaces for queer people. Now, to further that mission, they've created their own beer, which you can find in 80-plus spaces all over New York City. That's a lot of spaces. She's lived in New York for 10 years, grew up outside Boston, lived briefly in D.C. She studied international relations, political science, and economics at Simmons University and New York University Masters of Science, and currently is studying brewing science at Cornell University. Wow. This is exciting. Let's bring She's Sarah. She's smarty pants. She is a smarty pants. We didn't really get into her university degree, but we'll bring her back for that. Okay. Cute. Fun. All right, guys, that was good. I like. Hi there. Hi, Sarah. Nice to meet you. Hi, Sarah. <laughs> How are you? Good. How are you? I'm digging the headband. Oh, thank you. I'm like out of the 70s. So I figured it's amazing. (laughs) Why not? (laughs) Amazing. My God. If there was one place I would go, it would be back to the 70s. That is for sure. So (laughs) on that. Sarah, welcome to Twisted Times. Thank you so much for having me, both Ryan and Cece. I appreciate it. I'm delighted to talk with you this evening, Sarah. Me That's great. Too. Me too. And um, who better to have on the show than somebody who is a co-founder of a beer company? Because I mean, we'll get into all of it. But at the top, we ask what you're drinking and what Ooh, are yeah. you drinking? <laughs> I have this wonderful beverage called Dyke Beer. Um, I have Ugh. the original Saison. It's got, you know, the cutout logo. That's kind of like the zines of the 90s that we had. And so if you never had a beer with a dog and cat playing pool, now's your chance. So that is That's, that is what I'm drinking. <laughs> the can is beautiful. Oh, thank beautiful. you. Olive Primo designed it. She's great. You, everybody should look her up and use her. She's queer. She's so talented, wonderful, and knew exactly what we needed, which was which was this, I think. <laughs> and you said her name is Olivia Primo? Uh, Olive Primo. Olive Primo. Yep. Olive Primo. How did you find her? Actually, she went to school with my business partner, Loretta. And um, 
yeah, they connected on Instagram and we really go back and forth in the designs. And so we have four different beers now. Um, two of them are totally sold out. Uh, the one that we have is a Saison year round. We just redid the tall girl that this was from Ooh. last year, but this is a hot pink beer with lingonberry. Uh, it has Himalayan pink salt and it has um, blackberries and raspberries in it. Um, it's it's really like our femme tall beer. And these cans obnoxiously are called tall boys. So it's like beer. We call this tall girl for the 16 ounce can. Wait, um, I absolutely love this because oh my, God. my partner is a roofer by day and always drinks these tall boys and calls them tall boys. And I'm here in Canada and I don't know if that's like normal. I've never heard tall boys, but maybe that's just me not being like a huge beer drinker. But when I saw that you called them tall girl, <laughs> I was like, exactly. That's exactly what that's amazing. Oh, yeah. And I'll open up and show you the color. We like the idea of femmes drinking like this, like hot pink beer. Ooh, you know? That <laughs> is hot. <laughs> Can I just say I love when the gays do things because the attention to detail is on another fucking level from the can to the color of yes. the fucking beer. Excuse my yes. language, Sarah. I curse a lot from no, Jersey. Sorry. Right. But um, <laughs> shit. You and Loretta. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the interesting part about being women, non-binary, queer people in beer. We're really something like 0.05% of what beer owners look like, like what a brewery owner would look like. And so, yeah, it's about bringing that new creativity, new ideas, new concept for beers. This is one of the only beers in the country with lingonberry in it. Um, The Saison has a little bit of like tea added, which is unusual for some of the saisons in the market. Mm. Um, everything we've had kind of has our own little twist as part of like the craft beer world. We don't want to make like the millionth pale ale or the millionth IPA. We want to do something like a little bit different. And you're right. Like we bring something a little bit different to the table, like being queer and different identities than yeah. uh, cisgender white men with beards. <laughs> Okay. Yes. And we can unpack all of this. Um, <laughs> Sorry. That was maybe a lot to start with. I mean, we can talk about queers, beers, like, all the Now we're diving into like all of the questions I have. Um, no, but yeah, that's totally true. And I also feel like I need to break down like every single ingredient that you just named because I am, I don't know half of them. <laughs> so no worries. <laughs> um, but Brian, what are you drinking? Um, I am keeping it simple. I am drinking a little bit of tea. Um, it's a mango, ginger, and ashwagandha tea mix. And of course, my trusty, dusty water. Here we are. Got to get that water. Very good. Hydrate. Very nice. I'm and what are you drinking, so CCK? I'm drinking white wine, like a white wine Monday for this Femi Chico over here because this is what I like. <laughs> I I go once it starts to get warmer. It is snowing here. Okay, I just no. say that it is fucking snowing, and it's what is it? April. It's Canada. This is ridiculous. <laughs> it started snowing. I was like, I don't. I give up. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm in Toronto. So anyway, but like, I, I I can't have a beer yet. It needs to get a little sunny out before I have a beer. But yeah, I'm having one. So cheers. No, I understand. It can be a seasonal thing. So, but absolutely yeah. cheers. <laughs> cheers. Yeah, it can be a seasonal thing. Not to say that I don't drink beer in the in the winter because I absolutely do, but <laughs> wine today. So since we're talking about beer, can we just like jump into Dyke Beer? Firstly, like <laughs> before we even unpack the name, 
can we just attack why beer? Because I think beer is like a very specific thing. Like you could have gone the vodka route, like a little like spritzer route. You could have gone a wine route. Why beer? So Dyke Beer started first from an activist organization that Loretta and I volunteered at and later became organizers for called Dyke Bar Takeover. That was in New York. We have a couple chapters uh, throughout the country and the world. Some of them are defunct now. Some of them are still active. There's actually a Canada one that's still active today. Really? Um, yeah. In the KW region um, outside of Toronto. Um, I know. It's very specific. <laughs> um, I'm like, well, <laughs> that region. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anybody who wants to start a Dyke Bar takeover chapter, we, we still offer them. They're basically um, organizations where we create queer or dyke space in straight bars. So we were going to straight bars in New York City because we only have three dyke bars left in New York. That's Ginger's in Brooklyn, Cubby Hole, and Henrietta Hudson's. And there's about over 50 gay male bars, cisgender gay male bars. And then there's a handful of queer bars. Come on, everybody, the Judy, uh, certain bars like that, that that identify that way. So we were like, okay, there's definitely not enough space. And at the time, there weren't very many parties in general. And so we had this space that hired queer artists and we paid them. And we gave all the money to some sort of charity, such as SAGE, which is um, a charity for elderly uh, queer people in New York. Um, We would give it to um, a variety of funds for different folks. And we always charged $10. And if you couldn't pay it, um, then we would let you in for free. Um, So I think from that, basis of activism, bringing community together, together, creating community. Beer has a certain price point that it's a little bit cheaper than a lot of fancier wines or cocktails. And so as a result, um, more accessible to a lot more people with different incomes. Um, So we liked that element. We were already dyke bar takeover. So being in bars and selling alcohol made sense to us. We had been in so many bars already. We had been in cocktail bars, dive bars, rooftop, you name it. And we knew we wanted to, um, you know, bring this to a variety of spaces. And it's been interesting. There's been a really big response actually with the straight community to dike bar, to dike beer in general, and really learning about our cause and the fact that there's only about 20 from the lesbian bar project, 20 or so what we call dike bars or lesbian bars left in the country. Uh, the creation of space, finding people who want to create new space, such as Dave's Lesbian Bar in Astoria. Uh, they're working hard on pop-ups to create a new uh, live music venue for Dykes. Uh, they want a new bar in LA called Hot Donna's Clubhouse. They're working really hard for also a similar venue that seems to be uh, drag-focused for drag kings and uh, drag things. <laughs> um, yeah, so... Uh, it's a really exciting time. And I think our generation being a millennial, I'm 36 years old. I think that we're really taking the torch and saying, hey, uh, we've lost a lot of our space. We need more space. And whether that's a party or a pop-up or having this beer appear in certain straight bars and then having a night associated with those straight bars, um, we're going to be out here. We're not going to give up on our space. We're not going to give up on our visibility. We're not going to give up on organizing and being together and finding romance and finding friendships that are queer. Um, we're going to keep creating that space. And so, you know, that's great. One day we'd love to have a brewery. Uh, one day we would love to have, you know, all the space, of course. Yeah. Um, but one thing at a time, I guess we're two years old, so we're still 
contract brewers. So we brew out of a facility right now and uh, we sell in over 80 bars in the New York state region. Wow. That's awesome. Thanks. Are yeah, you guys just in New York right now distributing? Unfortunately, because of alcohol law, we would love to be everywhere. Um, right now, the only availability uh, for a beer throughout various states, seven states don't allow shipping a beer um, it, it, at all. Yeah. And so minus those seven states, we have something called Halftime Dev. And it's just a, a website that you can order from. It's a little expensive right now. So we hope to open in other states, but in California or in other places in Massachusetts, other places in, in the region, you can you can get it. And I, I'm pretty sure they offer it to Canada, but I'm yeah. not 100% on there. Yeah. Well, I hope you come here soon. But Shipping alcohol too. is the worst in the world. It's like the it hardest the thing. Like you would have thought it would be so easy huh. to just ship alcohol, but it's like so many laws. You can't send anything. Not at all. And it's crazy. Even if you uh, have a business and you want to just drive alcohol from your car to like a place, like even if I, as a business owner, wanted in New York to drive from point A to point B, I'd have to pay $70 for a yearly permit just to register my car, just to drive it like even a block. What? Um, it, the alcohol law is insane. And by the way, since we're a queer podcast here, wow. yeah. um, alcohol law was born out of homophobia the entire concept of creating alcohol laws was actually to shut down gay bars or the gay bars that were struggling to make them have to pay out the nose in order to have these alcohol permits in order to sell alcohol. It's awful. It's from a Lillian Feinbold book. Um, the gay revolution is the book's name, but in the beginning chapter, they talk about this and wow. Oh my goodness. It's awful. And so every Jeez. time I'm like looking at these alcohol laws, I'm like, this is all born out of homophobia. Why? Yeah. No, it should be way more. Wow. Yeah. Not only did yeah. I not, am I not that familiar with alcohol law, but I'm definitely <laughs> is not familiar with that fact, which is crazy. Um, oh, yeah. I feel so Okay, so you were doing these bar takeovers, these dyke bar takeovers, and then you guys start. The, now, did this all start out with dyke beer um, at the top of the pandemic, like when all, when the pandemic hit, or like when did you guys make this decision to do the shift and to make beer? Yeah, it actually started during the pandemic. I think you know, obviously, the pandemic is very scary, and uh, a lot of horrible things happened, but an odd positive thing that happened for Loretta and I was reflecting on our time at Dyke Bar Takeover and that we were doing these takeovers. We've been doing them for years. And was there a way to kind of advance the project or step up the project somehow? And so you, I think when you're with yourself that much during quarantine, you ask yourself questions about, do I like my job? Do I like where I live? Do I like my life? Do I, you know, like all kind of the questions and mm -hmm. reflecting, you know, all the time. Yeah. And so even though we're both still working our day jobs, it was like, okay, we'd love to switch and do Dyke Bar Takeover full-time somehow, but how do we do this as activists who are volunteers? And so the project kind of changed into a beer and saying, okay, well, maybe one day we can hire our own staff, have our own bar, have our own brewery, and have like really our own space and really have it be exactly how we want, have it be open to activism, have it be revolutionary, have you be as queer as you want, have it be a safe space, have it be a really lovely place for people to work and brew beer and, and cook and, and be in a really, really cool environment. 
Um, and I, I don't think that detracts from the other bars. I, I don't see myself as a capitalist in competition with Gingers or Cubby Hole or Dave's or or anything else. Mm-hmm. I, I think we can all be doing this together and I want to see all the space. I, I mean, we have the idea for a brewery, brew pub type of concept, but there are other bars out there like, hey, have a fancy rooftop that's a dike rooftop, have, uh, you know, an outdoor bar with like a bunch of dogs, like have have whatever you want. Like, I want to see all the space and be promoting all the space at the same time. And that's something I think unique to our community is that we're looking out for each other. We're caring about each other. You know, we're supporting each other. It's not about I'm taking this dollar from you. No, it's nothing like that. It's about, you know, creating the safe space for everybody and and enjoying it. Exactly. That's a rule for life, everybody. Like there's space for everyone. Like you're in competition with no one. I think this is such a beautiful thing that you grew out of just the pure love of community and creating space for community to, to grow. That is, I think that's like also where a lot of businesses grow and start too, because they're seeing that there's something missing or something that they want to add to add value to. And so out of that is born this beer company. Absolutely. Yeah. And you, you can already see it's more than you know, liquid in a can, like yeah, we right. of course have liquid in a can, but it's a, it's a, like it's a story a sense of humor. Yeah. It's a story. Definitely. It's, it's something where even if you're alone in your parents' house in the suburbs and you crack this open, it's like, you're still connected to us. Like you're still connected yeah. to the community. Um, absolutely. So I, we love creating that sense of space with the beer. What would you say has been okay? Because I mean, ideas the power of an idea and what you want to do is one thing but then like actual execution is a whole other ball of wax so for you guys what was would you say was one of the bigger challenges trying to bring this to life Loretta and I both don't have business degrees so I think if we did major in something like finance or business strategy we would have an idea but to anyone out there who's thinking about being an entrepreneur even a creative one. Uh, you know, I would love to be creating beer recipes all day. I would love to be thinking about label concepts. I would love to be, you know, involved in uh, bartending for customers and having great conversations with them. But there's really a business element here that's been so tough. Like we we're just getting through taxis and now really figuring out how do you <laughs> do your taxes as a, yeah. as a yeah. major business. Uh, you know, us going through alcohol law was a real challenge. I mean, it was like being a lawyer reading through pages and pages of like New York state documents and all this stuff. Um, It was so crazy. It took a year to get our liquor license and we had probably 50 different pieces of paper just to prove who we were, what we were doing. We didn't have a criminal record, like all this stuff. It was insane. It was truly an insane process. And so I would say I'm learning every day honestly, like how to be a business person. Like I'm just winging it as an entrepreneur. Like really, I'm just kind of like an activist, geeky beer person trying to do business and, you know, (laughs) like flying through it the best I can. But I feel Um, like too, just even like from a like flavor standpoint and how you want things to taste and the the chemical science, or I don't know, that might not even be the word. No, you're right behind there's a lot of chemistry um because you talked about earlier of having these like unique flavors and being unique but then actually executing that and even having the idea of like it's like people to me that 
that do candles. Like, I'm like, how do you know, like what the yeah. that scent is? Like, how do you know how to create that? You know, you have all these like, celebrities who do scents. I'm like, well, like it's like, feels similar because it's like chemistry, you know, did you have to go to a, a class for that? Or did you, like, what did you, where did you go? How did you learn that? <laughs> sure. Um, part of it, a part of it is like, if you consume beer and, and try different beers and really challenge your palate, you have an idea of what's different, mm-hmm. what's what's good for you, what's good for the mass market, you know, and trying to kind of find a balance for that. But what I think is important is not looking around and seeing, okay, what IPA in this craft beer store sells the most. But I always ask myself, what's not here? Like there aren't many Saison's in the market, which is why I chose a Saison for our our first beer to be. And I think Saison DuPont is one of the best beers in the world. It's a Belgian beer. It's smooth, crisp, light. The Dyke beer Saison, you can have, you know, partying out at, you know, a patio at Pride. It's it's very light. It's very rich and refreshing. Um, it's not a challenge beer that's the funkiest farmhouse ale, the most sour beer in the world. Right. And so a lot of our beers are very much like gateway beers, easy drinking. The Goza has a ton of fruit, the tall girl that we have. It has Himalayan pink salt, lingonberry, raspberry, blackberry. So um, really a, a sweet flavor. Um, but the lingonberry makes it a little bit different. Um, and then I want the a other tall beers. girl. Wait, what is yeah. I want a tall girl so bad. What is this? A ling a lingonberry? Lingonberry. Yeah. Lingonberry. If you've been to IKEA, you can try it. It's like it's a very Swedish thing. It's like a I red feel like berry. they had those in those press ones. Like they we had partnered like last year with this this uh I don't know, it was like this this seltzer sparkling vodka company but they had had i think like lingonberry in there and that was the first time i'd ever like heard of this so yeah i'm sorry i interrupted but no, I, no, I remember seeing this before absolutely and um we just sold out of this we have an australian sparkling ale so it's actually it's got like a koala and a kangaroo <laughs> on it and oh, i um, love that it's a unique style to Australia. And so normally it's the most heavily carbonated beverage in beer because right now we're going through some sort of like crazy alcoholic white claw, two robbers, like like this totally. crazy mm-hmm. amount of like um, seltzers that are yeah. really popular. So we were like, let's make yeah. the closest beer seltzer. And it feels kind of fabulous. And then mm-hmm. we had an Oktoberfest that I kept just like a little dented up, but um this is called witch please and we put like uh, little <laughs> oh, cats and dogs on it <laughs> you know, it, that is so cute you know I it's your usual that. suspect of um you know nutmeg cinnamon and it has a kind of a rare pumpkin from massachusetts so it's a little bit different um but yeah Ooh. those are our four beers right now and so we try to we try to do something like a little different make it all fun and make the names fun and um yeah do that whole thing I love witch, please. How far from <laughs> like, um, I know I love witches. I'm, I'm born in October. So like every birthday oh, yes. I was a kid, was like dressing up as some sort of something. Um, the artwork is so great. And I'm curious, how long is that turnaround for you with your artists? Like if you are going to do, say, I want to do something like that, that, that for, you know, Christmas or whatever, the holiday or whatever event you're doing, how much lead time do you need to give your artists? Because that's a lot that's of planning, a good question. execution. It is at this point, she's used to us and she knows we're going to want bright colors and animals on the can at least. 
And so she's got <laughs> like, like a better idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like doing crazy stuff. And so it's, it's, um, about two months altogether. Sometimes, um, we had one that went faster. The Australian one went like a little bit quicker than that, but mm. A lot of beer labels, if you think about it, it could just be like a logo with a color on a background and I get it. You just spit it out, you print it, you yeah. make it different. Yeah. But I think with us, we want to show that we have like so much quality and control over the craft. Like, like we think so much about the recipes, but we're also thinking so much about like the design and making it cute and like uh, making it like a fun label. And it's so funny to see Dyke beer actually in store with like a lot of male beers because there'll be like a zombie riding a motorcycle or like a skeleton in flames. Right. And there's like Dyke beer that's like so like a cat and a dog <laughs> playing pool. <laughs> yeah. Like with like the trans color background. I mean it's it's so crazy. But, but it's, it's it's really so, fun to see. But that's it's so, so necessary. Like so necessary. And I wonder when you're making a beer, like, I mean, the beer industry as a whole, like it's fairly can be, it can as a, okay. Just male dominated as a woman. Okay. Starting there, it can be fairly intimidating. Okay. The beer industry breweries, all that stuff. It feels very male dominated. And then add in that you're queer. That's a whole other situation. So I'm curious, like, has that been something that you've that you wanted you're obviously breaking that by creating dyke beer and is anybody else doing this like i don't really know i'm sure it's very few of us um but we did like a a piece with um cnbc and it was us gay beer is one owned by uh, two cisgender males and mm-hmm. then Queer Brewing Company is one in the UK, uh, run and operated by a trans woman brewer, Lily. And so it was basically us. Like we were the three that the, the, the piece for pride beer companies could find. And so there might be, but they might not have the right name or there's definitely queer brewers out there, but they're not necessarily queer breweries. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's it kind of feels like it's us. There's one in Colorado called Gold Star Brewing that um, they're all queer that are making uh, the, the the beer. And then Lady Justice Brewing has a lot of queer people uh, also in Colorado. But those are two other examples um, that aren't even like specifically queer. I can think of them that they're like uh, more like feminist or women's rights or, or different yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we're kind of it, which, which is kind of cool. It's, it's well, what do you think the response, well, I mean, not what do you think, but what has, what has been the response, not from the queer community, but from the beer community as a whole, like has anything sort of surprised you or are you feeling like, well, what's the response been? We were allowed to join uh, something called the Brewers Guild in New York, which was great. So it was like, oh, you're legitimate, which made me feel good. And we went to a uh, like a beer festival in February and we look so different than everybody else. I mean, our <laughs> sign is so loud. We have this like huge banner that's like, it. you know, hot blue and it's just like dive beer. And love a it. lot of people were like, what, yes. what the hell is this? <laughs> that is so good. <laughs> you know, it's, I think when we're in a, like a straight space or specifically like the craft beer space that isn't quite aware that we exist yet. And they're like, 
what what is that um and we got uh received really well um you know it's so funny because people expect the beer to be bad like that it's a marketing <laughs> campaign or yeah. something so everybody's comments like close to 90% are like wow i didn't expect this to be good and this is actually good and i was like well why didn't you expect that that's like exactly. an interesting comment that all of you are making like you didn't think we were capable of like recipe development i would love to break that down for a second i feel like people don't yeah. think why? that gay people are actually real i do too i actually do too i i it's, really it's do it's like they're always in pure shock that they they're able to that we're able to do things and, and yes. create things and accomplish. Yes. And it's, it's fucked up. But what I'm wondering is if it's not even that they're not real, it's like, maybe there's this question from the hetero, like beer community, male dominated beer community. That's sort of like judging why you have to be so flamboyant in your messaging and who you are and def definitive, sure. like this is who we are. And so they want to almost challenge that and think that it's not great or something to that effect. But what they don't realize is there has, there's a reason why the flamboyancy I feel needs to exist. Exactly. You know? Absolutely. I think visibility is a huge issue for our community. Huge. And we only hear about visibility when there's like some awful law or like a horrible murder of somebody from our community, or this yeah. is the only time like we really get visible, but if you look at Barnes and Noble, if you look at Amazon and try to find even like a lesbian book, let's say, or a bisexual woman book or a transgender woman book, like it's limited. It's really yeah. a small section of even like writers or stories or biographies or, you know, you know, all the movies, like there's probably five decent movies for our community. And yeah. then there's a lot of shit out there. And then there's a lot more pornographic films not made for our community even. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's really terrible. Like when we talk about like the mass market or what is just simply available, there's a lack of visibility. Totally. And on top of that lack of visibility, when you have a show like The L Word and they're showing The Planet, yet there's no lesbian bar in LA or they're showing Dana's and there's no lesbian bar in LA. They're Which showing, crazy. you know, can exactly. I tell you, I yeah. moved to LA, like fun fact, I moved there after binging the L word for like, I don't even know, in my early 20s, I was living in New York. And I was like, I'm gonna go and I'm gonna go to LA. I'm gonna go hang out at the planet and I'm gonna meet Shane and we're gonna date. Right. Like I'm Carmen and that's <laughs> what's gonna happen. Like a blonde Carmen. And I was like, this is going to be my life. And like, it couldn't have been further from what happened at all. And it took me so much longer, but I met my Shane, but it was a hotter version anyway. But the point is, is it, it doesn't exist. And that was actually kind of shocking to me. I mean, the gay scene exists. That's not what the gay scene exists everywhere, but gay, the lesbian scene the doesn't exist like anywhere. Play, but like, I did not feel like it was representative of the L word, but bless them for the show. I agree. I mean, we definitely need more space. And so I think there's this lack of imagination too, like, like this belief that, oh, there must be like, when you tell straight people that there's only 21 lesbian bars left in the country or that there's only three left in New York, they never believe it. They're like, no. And, it, and so we literally made like a zine, like a pop-out zine where we like explained what the last bars were and what the meaning of the word wow. dyke is and like 
our story with Dykebar Takeover, like we give this to our clients too. And we're like, here, here's like all the information you yeah. need, sir, ma'am. Like, please like come back to us with any questions. And like, this is like who we are, you know? Well, what um, do you think? Why? Now this is like, not like necessarily in a, on a political spectrum, but like may, maybe, but what do you think is the reason why there's a lack of lesbian bars in New York specifically? There are, we actually researched this. We had a diaper walking tour that was a lost tour of the West Village spaces. I mean, most okay. of them were congregated there around Stonewall. And so we had an explanation of like, when they existed, who typically went there, activist organizations that came out of there, but why they ended. Hmm. And there were three reasons we found. One was online dating. When that happened, there were a lot of people who didn't want to be out of the closet that could now kind of online date and find, you know, same-sex partnership. They could find somebody in their suburban town or their country town, and they didn't have to drive all the way into Boston, New York City, Chicago, San Francisco anymore to go to these spaces places mm. they could just date within their region and so not having a ton of people who are coming from other spaces other than the city was a huge detriment to killing uh the dike bars okay. another one was specific to our community if we're talking about like the dike community with like yeah. lesbians bi women pan women non-binary transgender folks like where we all include folks like that in the dike like away from like the big j g cisgender gay male mm -hmm. community um there were in the big 90s g. the big g <laughs> like away from the big g uh, <laughs> we focused too much on the big g i, I the mean big g. like okay like the movies hollywood like it's all about so that true and totally. big, you totally. know and so away from that um there was a I would say like a cultural change that there were these house parties that happened and the bars weren't considered cool because they were so generational, right? You had the big old dykes who were, you know, in their sixties playing at the pool table. You had like the old jukebox machine, like they were kind of divey. They were considered cool, like by Gen X. And so suddenly the cool party quote unquote was finding a person's house, bringing a six pack that was a little bit cheaper. They would have dinner parties, but because city people then on top of the country people, on top of the suburban people were yeah. no longer going to the bars. This mm -hmm. also killed the bars because young people weren't going. It wasn't just going to be the two dykes playing pool all night, ordering like three Bud Lights that were going to keep the bars alive. Like you needed to have people in there drinking and, uh, you know, paying a cover and everything. And so that was ours that was our fault uh killed it there but then the final one which is the detriment to everything cool is gentrification you think right. about the castro in san francisco the west village here these are extremely expensive neighborhoods where these bars were just priced out they weren't going to turn into you know 20 dollar cocktail bars these were bars that were for you know, the working class and everybody else within, you know, like the dyke community. And they weren't gonna give up, you know, $5 beers. Right. And so as a result, you know, they really died with gentrification as like the last nail in the coffin. And even bars like Cubbyhole, Henrietta Hudson's, Ginger's, all these bars during COVID even had GoFundMes. Every single queer bar right. that I know of had a GoFundMe. I mean, that were very worried about their rents in these highly priced neighborhoods throughout the United States. Um, 
And so that's something to talk about. Like maybe these bars really should have some sort of um, like literally federal national recognition to be landmarked, to be like, like, you know, it's like the building of Stonewall has a landmark, but the bar inside actually does not, which is crazy. So like, it could just be like this empty shell of a space, but like the Mm. bar itself isn't protected by like any sort of federal rights. And so it seems strange to me. It seems like it would it would save really jobs. Crazy. It would create the the culture. Exactly. I agree. I agree. I don't think it's just like, oh, it's another bar. It's another wave of capitalism. Like, no, these spaces are so important for history, for safety, for activism and organization. Like, it's crazy. I sort it's of like crazy. have this weird feel. I mean, this could be just maybe a very ambitious thought, but I... I sort of have this feeling that, right, like, (laughs) I feel that, how do I put this? Like, I didn't, like, I hate saying coming out. I don't like that. Uh, I was, like, I was heterosexual with men until I was, like, till I met my now partner for many reasons. And we don't need to get into this whole conversation. No, that's fine. Sexuality is very personal, fluid. It's all the same. But what I really, really realized, like when I met my partner five years ago and just like holding her hand and walking through a city that I know, like I lived in LA for eight years and then I lived in New York for two and now I'm in Toronto, but I'm from New Jersey. So I, but like you start to see the world through a a whole other lens and you really start to see the lack of inclusivity that exists. And it's really striking. And I think that it's shocking to me that like there isn't some sort of almost like a mandate or something in in a city like New York that's like, you know, you have, it's imperative that you have these spaces, a certain amount of bars that are incredibly protected, inclusive spaces that people can go have cheaper beers or expensive beers, whatever, and feel safe and also enjoy themselves and have a good time. Like, I feel like that needs to exist and it doesn't. And I don't even know what that would even look like, but that's how I feel about it. I agree with you. And when we try to explain why dyke bars still need to exist to straight people, they're very confused. They're like, oh, but aren't you accepted in all sorts of spaces? And it's like, one, yeah, we 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 always should be one. Like, like what well, that fact that that's hey. even like something that like went through your mind that you were like, maybe, maybe not, like queer but people should be in a straight so space. <laughs> Right. Like so crazy, one. And two, I don't know, just explaining that if people in general who are queer are looking for romance, going into a straight bar and seeking it is not a good idea, my friends. You know, like right. there is a depends on which like that. lesbian you <laughs> it's true. It's it's really true. Like a personal birthday ones. party that you know everybody, sure. But like if you go up to a yeah. rando at a bar, that's like a real toss the dice there. And so I don't know, having this space that you can kind of have for romance, that you can just put your arm around the partner without any comment. I think also being a man, and then if you are not a creep too, like these tend to be like regular normal guys. Like, so I I think there's a lot of men who don't realize like how creepy men are to women and then men are to lesbian couples sometimes or queer women couples. 
that it's like, oh, do you need a third or like, or like, uh, you know, I'm basically a lesbian myself because I, I like women too. It's like, get out of here. Like, what? Right. Like, like are Drake, you talking Drake's about? a lesbian. Did you know? Okay. Yeah. I, I heard about that one. It's just, it's so arrogant and rude. And just like, I think it's cool. because we still live in the patriarchy too. And it's like, yeah. oh, I see there's two women in a space and there's no man. I have to take up this space. And it's like, no, you don't. You don't like really, you can just like leave us. It's definitely in the patriarchy because you also have to think about this too, with like the gay scene. It's like, Mm -hmm. you're not seeing like chicks go up to two guys being like, Hey, Hey guys, can I get in this situation? Like, no, no, maybe. I I mean, I think there's different rules there. It feels like, I don't know. For sure. That's very, I think it maybe does come from like that lack of visibility or when we do have the visibility, it's always like over-sexualized. So Mm. in whatever space that we go into, it's just like, oh, because of that movie with, um, what was her name? Denise Richards and fucking net. Was it Nev Campbell? Who was the other girl in the movie with her? Wild things. Wild things. Who was in that movie? Denise Richards and who? That was Nev Campbell, wasn't it? Was it Nev Campbell? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So, I mean, like, because they see shit like this, then they come into a bar and they think that they can say whatever the fuck they want when they see two women together. I don't know. And I think that's why it's important to have more gay spaces so then they can leave our asses, or excuse me, queer spaces, um, so they can leave our asses alone. No, I agree with you. And it's important for friendship. I mean, it's been important for, you know, we very much intend to keep creating sort of the activist space too. I mean, right now there's, in the last three years, there's been over 670 bills related to anti-trans or anti-homosexual law written in the United States. Like it's serious that online, sure we have space, but like it's serious that like actually get together, protest in the streets, Mm -hmm. actually like talk about this and like repel this. And so spaces like that, like, I don't know if I would feel comfortable in a straight bar being like, we're organizing for bike rights. Like, I don't, I don't know if right. that's like the right space in the safest space to right. be doing that. Or if there'd be like a lot of people like looking on being like, what you doing? Or like having to explain your identity to a million people. Like, no, that you're just like in the safe space and you're, this is what you're doing. And you know that like the people who are in there and it's just got a different vibe altogether. And it's right. really hard to explain, uh, um, I guess, like if you are just like queer in that vibe and that element in that headspace, um, what, it, what it's about. But this is interesting because I, it goes back to your beer because you, you call it dyke beer. And mm-hmm. I think of the word dyke, or is it a word? Sorry, this is going to be like super naive of me to even say, but, no, keep uh, going. but it, I find that Dyke has had negative connotations attached to it. I mean, all, at anything that like is directed towards the LGBTQ plus IA community has had some sort of negative spin on it at one point. But it almost feels like what you've done with the beer is sort of, in my opinion, taking your, the power back on the word and and owning it because it feels like it's something that has been used. I've seen it. I've heard it 
like been used in a very negative way. So it's hard for me sometimes to identify with that word because I'm like, I almost, I think negatively about it, which is bad, which I shouldn't think negatively about that because that's something that's been imposed on me by like some straight asshole that like. No, but sometimes uh, it is thrown as a slur. So like sometimes it is still used bad, especially by an older generation. I mean, if you Mm -hmm. watch sometimes like an old timey classic black and white movie, it's like, oh, you're looking very queer. And it's like, it's a negative thing. Like queer was like- Did really you know right. that queer? We were talking to my friend the other night and she, we like got on this whole thing about the word queer. And did you know that queer means like unusual? Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. I didn't it was realize the original that. I was like, queer is like- <laughs> queer like I don't even think I knew the definition of queer and I'm always like I'm queer you know well we've owned that word I mean we've yeah. really taken the power back we have that and that's what I'm saying like I'm just and like, we're sort of doing it with dyke we're close we're getting yeah. there I mean yeah. I think a lot of people are still using dyke in a really rude way especially towards uh butch looking women or trans men or, or something yeah. like that in a really derogatory manner but mm-hmm. Loretta and I actually identify as a dykes too, on top of, I mean, I identify as a lesbian, I identify as a cisgender woman, identify as queer. And so it's just like another identity yeah. kind of packed in there for us. Um, and a lot of the people who volunteer for us identify as dykes and the people who drink the beer identify as dykes. And, and it's okay if some people don't. I think talking, especially to an older generation, they're like, oh, that word was so hurtful for me growing up. And yeah. I just can't say the name and it's like, all right, like, like I get I that see. history. I get yeah, that story, yeah, yeah. but you know, we're trying to create a new generation, a new empowerment, new future with this word. And even some of our clients are like, can I say the word? <laughs> it's like, yeah, the name of the product is like, yes. here. like if somebody's ordering it, they can say it. Like that's exactly. the name of the product. Um, that's and what so I mean. Like, something. I think it's interesting. Yeah. Like you, you're not just calling it like, Honestly, like I think queer beer, maybe like that's a little like people have like it's not this like I said, like it's like maybe been more accepted and feels like softer and or something. And now you've got like dyke beer. You're like, we're here. Like this yeah. is, you know. Yeah. And and yeah, I mean, you've got people that ask that question. That's very interesting. That's funny. Um it's a new education. I mean, even with Gen Z, I mean, I'm learning things all the time. I mean, right. there are different identities Most within kids. non-binary is is fairly new. I mean, I think a lot of people have felt like both genders, but like actually having the term non-binary and, and practicing, say, uh, like like understanding pronouns and asking for pronouns ahead of time. Um, you know, this is something, you know, that's new and great, you know, like I, exactly. definitely in my elementary school, it wasn't like, what's your pronouns? Like, but now I have a stepkids who are there and they, they ask those questions and, you know, that's awesome. That's like a positive thing. It's not something to be afraid of. It's like a new way. And if you identify as gender variant or gender fluid, or there are all sorts of terminologies. And so, True. you know, like respect to you, like all, all together. Um, and, you know, I'll do my best to you know, keep learning. And I, I feel like I, I read queer news all the time, queer history all the time on top of beer history. But, you know, uh, you, you can't, you have to create this knowledge for yourself as a queer person because we just didn't learn it in school. And it's even exactly. worse to like a religious school. You, you have to like keep up with it yourself. And it's a lot of our news isn't even in mainstream media. You have to go and 
you know, special queer media to be like, oh, this this crazy law happened that I wasn't covered yeah. by the New York Times. Hmm. But it's true that like most of the news that you do see about the communities tends to be more negative, at least in the mainstream. And so yeah. I do think it's with companies like yourself and, you know, I just think in general, like representation, visibility, like all of that is super important because then you're just getting more voices, you're drawing more attention. And as much as like social media can be like a drain and all these things that we do live in a very informational age where I do, there is like faith. I have a sister who's 10 years younger than me and it's crazy. These kids, I mean, they're very, I have faith in them. Like, I feel like they're very on another wavelength, you know? And I think we're also teaching them things. I agree. And now, you know, slowly approaching like the elder. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Whoa. I know that's like a little scary to say. We're not quite there yet. We're just Please. we're just the people creating the bars. Like that's what we are. Now. Yeah, I know. The I know. <laughs> almost. So, how can people like the average person get involved to help create this visibility? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, I think a lot of people really do want to volunteer, or they want to. They're like, oh, I want to do something for my community. I want to help, and I think. The first way you can start is just basically by getting your queer friends together and maybe, you know, you, you do a bar takeover. You go to some some bar in your local neighborhood and you're just like, hey, we're going to create the space or go to a house if you don't feel comfortable in the neighborhood. Right. And maybe you talk about politics a little bit. Maybe you talk about these, you know, anti-trans bills for teenagers or you talk about, you know, what's happening in other part, parts of the world for queer people. And, you know, you just you just start somewhere really small where it's just like, okay. We're going to try to make like our homes, our community as safe and educated and groovy as possible. And then from there, maybe it can start on that to join something like, you know, ACT UP as an HIV AIDS organization, or you can do PFLAG, which is the parents and friends of gays and lesbians uh, group. You know, you can, you can move up to something that's like, oh, I want to join an organization and, you know, really march and really, you know, figure out my rights and, and move on forward. And I think even just supporting queer people in any way, if you buy a queer run magazine, if you're listening to this queer podcast, like, like this is also supporting queer people and supporting the community and, you know, really getting these voices out and really, um, you know, I, I really want everybody who's a queer artist to create their novel and make their film and make, paint their painting. I, I really want, you know, like the business people who are good at this sort of thing to create the space and the bars and the community center and the, you know, youth dance hall. Like yeah. I really want all the things for us. And so I guess it can start really small, but if you do have, you know, the funds, the means, the power to do something and you want to do it, like, go for it, like make our world a better place, a more safe place, uh, you know, uh, a better place for like the future generation to be in. Yeah. That's my opinion. It's so true. And I think just even like your sheer existence in a way can also be like a way of helping. I don't know if what I'm saying is making sense, but being a queer person, or even if you're not queer, but standing besides another queer person and standing there and helping them and, and showing your support in that way, just affirming them can yeah. sometimes help too. I think being an ally, I think that's like, yeah. In, and you know, this community has a lot of wonderful allies that are Absolutely. there. And especially when you talk about the youth, I think that's incredibly important. Um, 
I love that. So I was like, I, you, we had posted this thing on our um, Instagram, which we always posted and you guys reshared it, which was amazing. And then we saw that this someone, I don't know if you know who this person is, but commented like four questions on the <laughs> post. Do you know who they are? I, I do. Uh, they're a friend of mine. Um, oh, really? Because yeah. they asked a question <laughs> and I was just looking at it and I was like, oh my God, this is such an, there's a lot of good ones, like, like three or four questions, <laughs> but there was one that I, I really liked. And do you mind if I ask? No, no, no. Question? no I'm here to, I'm here for your friend, Carrie Pink's cat toes. Yeah. Like cat toes or cat. Yeah. Um, she does paint cats. So it's true. I was like thinking you paint cats toes. I'm like, you know, (laughs) that's fun too. Okay. So anyway, so, um, they asked what has been the worst interaction you have had while growing the company and its mission and what has been the best. Um, I mean, one of the best, maybe I'll start positive. Um, one of the bars we actually put on the can and that's cubby hole. And so I think they were so appreciative that we like did a little shout out to them. Um, we had put Henry to Hudson's and there was some sort of like trademark, some sort of like issue, but we did put cubby hole on there and I don't know. It sells like really awesomely in Cubbyhole because it just feels like it's a dyke bar. There's like beer, Cubbyhole in the can. And so they were so appreciative. And I love that bar. Out of the bars that um, exist currently in New York, that's really my bar where I met my partner. I uh, met a lot of like queer friends. I love the bartenders there. Like I really love the vibe. And so I was so happy to like give something back to Cubbyhole when it gave me so much in my life. And so that was lovely as a, you know, as a response and an interaction negatively. Um, I think, you know, I, it was interesting. We went through hell's kitchen, which is the area where there's a lot of the capital G gay male bars. Mm -hmm. And we have a map actually online that showed the locations on lovedikebeer.com. Um, And Hell's Kitchen is missing. (laughs) It's one of the biggest gay communities in New York city any oh, sign yeah. of dyke beer it was a lot of like fake nice interactions of being like oh this is cute and then being like hey we're part of the community and you know we have something called dyke beer and i see you have gay beer already here and you know maybe this would be like a good addition and gay men love to drink this and take pictures with it and gay men drink beer and yeah you know just really pitching and trying to explain it and like nobody took it like not oh. a soul. And yeah, uh. it was really surprising. It was really weird. Um, you know, maybe like one day <laughs> it will happen. Mm-hmm. But it was it was a really strange response that I thought and this is gonna be in the bag. Like we're queer, they're queer, like these are gonna be like the number one neighborhood. And I was I was so so wrong. Um so but, what you're saying you know, really about like on. not wanting to share and not making space. It's like, oh my God, no, we can't share. Absolutely. And I don't know if it was a fear of them having dykes in the bar drinking dyke beer. Like, I really don't know what the response Or just was, the word dyke, I mean. maybe I in their gay bar. I do have this thing, and I'm maybe. just going to say it, okay? Yeah. Oh, like, shit, I'm, I'm just going to say it. Come for me. I don't care. Here's <laughs> the thing. Like, I have a lot of gay men that I'm friends with, okay? A lot. And I've, like, for longer than I've actually been friends with a lot of, like, gay or queer 
you know, lesbian women, to be honest. And, but I've also kind of always struggled with the gay male community, like in, in a sense, like, and even more now, like way more now that I'm actually with a woman, like the response now that I get is not positive. There's some amazing gay men out there. But I think like my overall message here is that I feel like, you know, again, circling back to my ally thing, I really feel like it's super important that we're all allies with one another. And I think that sense of community, because I feel like gay beer, like I would carry gay beer and I would also carry dyke beer. And I don't think it should be any of those things where it's like, oh, I'm afraid that, you know, dykes, so what? if they It's not one or the other. Guess what? They want to come there because they feel safe there. They want to come there because they want to hang out with you guys and they like it. It'd be fun. You know, so I don't think, you know, that's unfortunate, but I also think it's something to be said about this idea of embracing one another and not having these sort of, because I do find that like, and this isn't necessarily just in the gay community, I think in just communities, certain communities in general, they can be hard on one another. And I think it's important for everybody to try to support each other. I absolutely believe this. And I believe it's like a part of just us being destroyed by capitalism. Like this idea that you'll run out of resources or like love is a resource or human rights are a resource. Like, no, if I get my right to marry straight people, this does not affect your life. Like you still have the right to marry. Like there's no logic. It doesn't make sense. And you're, you're absolutely right. It's like this idea that we we need to grab for different attention or I don't know, like different space or something. It's like, no, if you write a book about two gay male characters and then I'm reading somebody else who wrote about uh, two female characters being in love, this does not affect anything. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't affect affect your book. It doesn't affect your sales. I I feel like it affects their pocket. That's the problem. Like it affects the pocket. That's the whole like capitalism thing. Like when you open a gay bar, it's taking away from a heterosexual bar where they can have sports on and having like, 700 people coming in in a night in and out in and out in and out like i feel like it's because at the end of the day it's fucking money gay people Mm. aren't worth as much money or gay people's attention or their businesses aren't as lucrative as heterosexual ones and until that day when it's normalized huh but that's a lie (laughs) that's not true it's not true but i feel like the in the system in which we live under this umbrella it it like furthers that narrative yeah I don't know like it's and it's true like we're still like underneath like these overlords who run everything you know like investors are going to go number by number statistic by statistic Mm -hmm. and there's a truth like women earn less than men you know like this is a true statistic and that people who are queer earn less than straight people and in a lot of categories and a lot of different careers and so, you know, maybe that is a reason why the investors who have the money and the bankers who have the money haven't invested in dyke bars. I mean, that's yeah. definitely probably a, a real theory. Um, but that's almost like us taking back the space. Like, then we need like our, you know, Wanda Sykes. We need like our, yes. you know, Ellen DeGeneres. Like, we need like our people who are like wealthy and out there and you know, like have the power to like invest in this stuff. You know, yeah, like to be true. like, okay make the world a better place. Like don't just invest in stocks and NFTs, like, like invest in something <laughs> that actually like advocacy for the community. <laughs> invest in the legacy. 
But even like advocacy for the community, even if you're not part of the community, I think that's like another huge thing. Like you, I, I want to see more, like I was talking to someone recently about how my town in New Jersey, it's like a small, smaller town, but not really. I mean, it's a university town. Mm -hmm. It's fairly liberal. And, you know, I've noticed recently a lot more, like people will be putting up like pride flags on their windows and I'm like seeing it a lot. And I'm like, this is amazing. And then there'll be a store here and there that I don't see it. And I'm like, that's a problem. Like fix, get, I'm going to bring you a sticker because like, I, because to me, it's this like, okay, we're going to include you. This store doesn't have to be owned by anyone. And this could be a, a hetero male store, whatever, you know, but the fact that you're supporting the community is also super important and um, that needs to happen. And I think hopefully that will happen the more that like the community itself rises up and you know I think honestly like it is really important because our country is really polarized it it was like really really scary under Trump right like like people were just like coming out of the woodwork like like all these guys in Charlottesville with like the torches and all this stuff like like there was like some really scary totally fucked up things that happened under this administration and so it's like I don't want to support those people. And I don't care that they went back in the closet or took down their like weird pickup Trump flags. Like, I know who you are. I know you're out there and you came out in numbers and you came out and protested and you were like so weird towards, you know, like everybody who wasn't like white and straight and your like idea of what quote unquote America should look like, you know, like it was messed up. And so, yeah. I've never like, I mean, this, we could talk about this for hours, but I just, you know, for me, it's, I, it's like, live your life, you know, like live your life and just like, let me live my life. What, 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 what I choose to do, who I choose to marry, how I choose to identify, how does that affect you? You know, it's just, it's crazy. Like, I don't even get it. Like I have a hard time with like conceptualizing any of that. So yeah. I feel like as somebody from Massachusetts, like there's such, I mean, particularly in that state, there's such a strong Puritan hold, like this idea that like, we need from like the founding fucking fathers to like mm-hmm. keep these laws that like oh, I'm sorry what would the founding fathers do about the internet like like the founding <laughs> fathers no longer right. matter like right. they were hello. terrible people like they I mean hello yeah. did not allow like the majority of people to participate in voting or owning land or you know, indigenous genocide and slavery. I mean, like these were not like awesome people. And I still don't know why we reference them and like this Puritan law. um, In 2022, when we have electric cars. Yes. Like now, you know, I don't care if you're straight or gay and you want to be in like polyamorous or multiple marriages. Like, like, honestly, like, how does this affect anybody? It doesn't need to be this like one Puritan oh, there's like such a lack of sexiness and sexuality. Oh, there's such a lack of like sexual fluidity with like experimenting with uh, different gender identities. And I, you know, it's, it's, it's so outdated and it doesn't, it clashes so much with what America is today and what, you know, Gen Z is doing today. And it's, it's not us anymore. And there's just like this group of people that are like holding on to this, like so tight. They're really holding on to the myth of America, the myth of the reborn America like under colonization mm-hmm. and it's got to be broken like we've got to break it up and we're slowly doing it and I think we are 
successfully yeah. actually doing it through like social media and these channels. Like it's not going to be an, it's not going to be CNBC that no. like breaks no, it no. apart. It's not going to be CNN. Like no. it's going to be through like other channels and like people being like, you know what? This country has such a shady past that we don't talk about in an elementary school history class. And like, we need to address this and we need to like move on from it and understand that this is now like going to be a new thing after yes. this trial period of tyrannical, you know, Hello. weird, bizarre country dumb. Yeah. My mother used to go through my textbooks in elementary school and like fix the mistakes. Like when they had years that she felt like she's like, oh, slavery. It was like something in one of my books, like, oh, slavery had lasted for um, a couple of years. And then blah, 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 blah. Mom was like, oh, no, 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 no. This was thousands of years. Like she like wrote this into the book. Good this for her. Of- you know what? Honestly, yeah. like good for her. Like that's how it should be. And like the fact that we're like, oh, at Thanksgiving, all the indigenous people and white people just got together at the table and then yeah. there wasn't any more racism. Like, no, nope, <laughs> that's not how it happened at all. Like, like not how it happened. They're oh, like, Plymouth Plantation. Like, you know, oh my God. It's so crazy. It's there's like so much, like, there's also so much, like, dewiring that's been happening in my own brain, like, over the past, like, 10 years or so, even just, like, even just like Easter, like this past weekend, I'm like, what is Easter? What is this bunny? Like, what is this religious? Like, I grew up Catholic, you know? And but me and my partner are like, stop, stop telling us happy Easter. <laughs> like, like, does the Pope love us? You know, I mean, it's like, what are we doing? You know, like, it's just like, everything needs to be deconstructed in my Completely. mind. Completely. Like, but then there's like a side of me that's like, babe, I got you a cupcake with little eggs on it. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. You know what I mean? It's like, maybe I just- No, like, but I think holiday. that's allowed. Like, you know, so- it's just, I think that's the queer stuff. way of doing stuff. It's just yes. like doing your own thing. You yeah. know, you're like, I'm supposed yeah. to be at church, but like, you know totally. what, this is what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, you know, we're busting yeah. out the Reese's peanut butter eggs. Like we're, yeah. we're doing our own thing. And get the fine. Yeah. <laughs> I made a bunny cake and I played with my plants. So that was nice. There you go. See, that is an Easter Sunday, like a queer. A totally gear. Yes. Super <laughs> queer Easter Sunday. Super queer. That's for sure. We like hung out with each other. Um, that's amazing. Well, I mean, I'm really excited for Dyke Beer and everything you guys have going and going into the future and where everything's gonna head. I mean, I I'm hoping that we can get to New York soon and drink your beer yes. in person. I would love that at one of Let's the many bars, or maybe we need to go. Can you come and like do a bar takeover in, in the Jersey shore this summer, please? Like come yeah, to Asbury park, please. Do like a paradise or something. I mean, that would be so fun. <laughs> I'll try. I know I'll have to figure yeah, out how to get into the state laws in New Jersey. It's super boring. Oh, we could actually do fire Island, Catskills, long Island, uh, Coney Island. Uh, we could, we could go a variety of, of places in the New York state region. There's lots of islands and lots of water. Yeah. <laughs> and it's I, true. I love my bathing suit. So. <laughs> let's, yeah, let's do this. Fun. Let's manifest But Asbury this. park. I would love to be in, you know, like, ah, there's so many places I would love to be, you know, I, I mean, know. all of California. It's coming, Sarah. And like go around <laughs> and sell your beer to everybody. Oh my right? God. Thank you. I need to sell. You got to, you know, you guys should get, you know, those, 
you remember the like the bottle girls who go to the liquor store and they like sell the liquor and they like <laughs> yeah. have you test and they talk about it yeah. you have to get like a, a an array of queer people oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah i like want to lift this all up want us all to win you know Love that. <laughs> yeah cool. thank you sarah you're dope you're awesome but thank, thank you. you it's so nice to meet you guys and nice um, to meet you too. appreciate it